Hey, it's Luke. Have you ever listened to an episode of Livewire and wished that you'd been there to see the recording happening in person? Well, if you're going to be in Portland this autumn, you are in luck because fall 2018 season passes go on sale Friday, August 3rd. And we already have some incredible shows lined up with amazing guests joining us on the Livewire stage. I cannot wait to share that experience with you, IRL, in real life, at the theater with us as we record these episodes. Here's how you should think of the Livewire Season Pass. It is a gym membership for your brain. And Season Passes get you significant ticket discounts and guarantee you a seat at every show, even if it's sold out. Not to brag, but we sold out every single show in the spring of 2018. And by not to brag, I mean a little bit to brag. So getting a season pass will help make sure that you can get access to these shows even when they sell out super quickly. The first 20 people to buy their season pass are going to get $10 off. And if you want to stay in the loop with everything Livewire related, make sure you subscribe to the Livewire newsletter. You can sign up for the newsletter or join as a member today over at livewireradio.org. And thanks. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Livewire. Hope you are having a wonderful, restful summer. Uh, we are because we're taking a little break from making new episodes of Livewire while we gear up for our fall season but we did not want to ghost on you fine folks. So for the next couple of months, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be re-releasing some of our favorite interviews from the Livewire archives as podcast shorts. This week, we're going to bring you an interview with the author and activist Barbara Ehrenreich. This is from back in uh, April of 2014. It seemed timely because Barbara has just released a new book this spring called Natural Causes, An Epidemic of Wellness, The Certainty of Dying, and Killing Ourselves to Live Longer. Um, Barbara Ehrenreich's books, if you haven't read them, they were like viral before going viral was a thing. Uh, in Nickel and Dimed, she exposed the lives of minimum wage workers from the inside. Uh, in Bright Sided, she looked at the downside of our nation's obsession with positive thinking. Uh, and when we talked to her back in 2014, she had just released a book called Living with a Wild God, a non-believer's search for the truth about everything. This is something that grew out of a teenage journal that she kept in which she was trying to make sense of visions that she'd been having. It is a fascinating book, and we had a fascinating conversation. Take a listen to this. Thank you. Thank you. Um, how would you describe what, what happened to you? Well, the term I finally came across, although it made me kind of uncomfortable, was mystical experience. Now, that shouldn't happen to an atheist, we think. But it does. You know, the, you, 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 well, ex-Christian, I don't know where you stand right now. Uh, you think you've got, you know, a monopoly on this stuff. It's not true. Uh, so that this very strange, I had these very strange experiences, which were, you could say, mental illness. And uh, I kind of thought they were. But over time, you know, as I lived a fairly normal, sane life and raised a family and everything, I began to think, no, maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe these things happen. Could you describe what happened to you uh, at the horse show? The horse show. <laughs> well, 
I think this happens to a lot of people. Have you ever been looking at normal things and suddenly it all looks strange? Suddenly it doesn't make sense? Suddenly this layer of words and meanings and significance goes away and you see what's underneath? But so you were an incredibly precocious kid. In, in this book, you, you use excerpts from your actual diary, which is unreal to me that you were writing the way that you were writing at the age that you were. But what, how did you make sense of this as a kid? What did you think of this? Because you were a super rational, super smart kid. Well, you know, I was, I was um, on a quest, actually, um, starting when I was 12, to find out the truth about everything. It was an intellectual quest. I mean, a lot of people are on that quest, right, I hope? Um, you know, I think it's our job here on Earth. And I didn't, my family was atheist. So nobody said, hey, it's all God. Don't worry, don't ask any questions. So I thought if I thought really hard about these things and read a lot of library books that in a couple of months I would have an answer. Um, it, you figured you'd have it knocked out by the spring. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your family dynamic like, though? Because your family w was full of smart people who had a lot of problems. Uh, yes. Um, they were self-described geniuses, actually, not just smart. And uh, <laughs> they were uh, originally blue-collar people, Butte, Montana, copper miners. Um, and, you know, the, the rejection of religion was part of a larger kind of worldview very anti-authoritarian. We did not like doctors, lawyers, um, bosses, or priests. We're against them all. So you're and just left with train hobos. <laughs> well, actually, that was one of, a, one of the means of transportation in the family, yes. <laughs> but was your, your search for... Um, you know, knowledge and your precociousness, was that a little bit of a, a survival technique in your household that you grew up in? Just because my household was um, a little crazy? Well, you uh, write about <laughs> having, you know, your father was very intelligent, but he also... They were alcoholics. Yeah, yeah had an alcohol problem. Your mother yeah. tried to kill herself. I mean, you, mm. there was a lot of chaos in your home, and I'm just wondering if you... I mean, you write about descending into sort of solipsism as a way mm -hmm. of trying to deal with all the, like, mm -hmm. trauma. Mm -hmm. And it's a great way to deal with trauma. Let me tell you, nobody else is real. You could be an android. I have to keep that tiny possibility in mind. <laughs> yeah, describe your technique as a kid for how you would kind of like astrally project yourself out of bad situations with this technique. Oh, I, I actually couldn't do it at will. It would just happen. And yeah, I mean, well, what if you're the, you, you went through the religious background. Didn't sometimes things just happen? Um, I mean, yes, certainly things happened to me. Um, but I think a lot of the time it was my mind trying to create it because I was raised in this home where I was always expecting to have a feeling about the Lord that I didn't actually feel, but I felt kind of bad that I didn't feel it. <laughs> so I was forcing it a lot of the time. But for you, these mm -hmm. events would come on. Like, talk about this thing that happened in Lone Pine, California. Now, at the beginning mm -hmm. of this chapter, it's you and a handsome young man in the front seat of an old car spending the night by the and, side of the and road. And my brother, my little brother. Yeah. Throw Which that in, please. really blocked you. <laughs> no, and, <laughs> no it, was, it was kind of crazy. We were on a ski, a ski trip and ended up spending the night in the car on the streets of Lone Pine. 
Um, you know, it took me like 50 years to get to the, the backstory on that. But anyway, I woke up in the morning pre-dawn, uh, quietly got out of the car, started walking in the streets of this strange little town, and wham! You know, it was as if the world was flaming with life. Everything. It was ecstatic, and it was terrifying. I have, you know, when I later realized this happens to lots of people, I bet we could get a, you know, this is being Portland. I think we'd find quite a few here. Um, They're on a lot of hallucinogens, though, so. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know about hallucinogens. I think this experience kind of put me off that. Really, though, because you write about it as being, it seems anyway, to have been a really great experience when, it's, when you were in the moment I'm surprised you didn't want to try to get that experience going well, I again. I did want it back, but I was also shattered by it. And in recent years, preparing to write this book, I, I read a lot about religious mystical experiences, which I would never in my you know, life have read. And it's a similar sort of thing with a lot of these people, like St. Teresa of Avila, and that, that there was ecstasy and also a feeling of being assaulted, almost. This is Livewire Radio. We're talking to Barbara Ehrenreich. Her new book is Living with a Wild God. Uh, in the same chapter that you write about the Lone Pine, California thing, you also say, if there are no words for it, then don't say anything about it. But you're saying things about it in this book. Why, why did you feel like you were going to try to give a description and a, maybe a name to this stuff? Well, it took me a long time. I, I didn't tell anybody what I was working on when I started working on this book. Uh, nobody. I never told anybody in my life any of this stuff. Here, here I'm spilling my guts. I never talked, never said a word, because I thought it was crazy. And I think what turned me around is I came across, about 10 years ago, the journal I had kept as a kid. And there's a line in that journal, which I wrote when I was 16, addressing my future self. And I thought my future self would be like six months off. And, I, and saying, well, what have you accomplished? What have you done to advance the quest that you started out on? In other words, coming at me as a 59-year-old woman, this was quite a challenge. What have you done with your life? You seem like you're very, um, I, wouldn't, I don't know if concerned is the right word, but you really want to make sure that you don't lose your atheist cred over this book. In fact, you write that uh, some of the things that you write in this book uh, put you at risk of losing your public integrity as an atheist. Well, I, it's my family, really. I mean, I, I, I get in trouble. You know, the, the word God in the title got me in some trouble with the family. That's how they are. But what did they say? Uh, Barb, what's the matter with you? You know, are you backsliding? Backsliding uh, from your atheism. Yeah, yeah. But I'm much more tolerant than my parents were. If you have a belief, uh, that's fine. I'm not going to mess with your belief. Just don't ask me to believe anything. Don't. I mean, give, I don't want faith. I don't want belief. I want evidence. Though I would say this as a... Um, considering what I've experienced, if you have an experience, if you're an atheist, whatever, where you see something, you know, that's amazing, and maybe there'll be lightning bolts, and maybe there'll be all kinds of special effects and angelic choirs, do not 
fall on your knees. Stand up, take notes, and if possible, get a blood sample. We've got to find out. I mean, let's not leave this stuff as a mystery. But you, 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 you're very scientific in your approach, uh, and yet you also write that there are limitations to science. You're not just saying science has it all right uh, and the scientific method is always perfect. The thing is that science has tended not to acknowledge the existence of any minds outside of the human. Uh, until about 25 years ago, animals did not have feelings, they were not intelligent. They were things. I can't tell you how many mice I killed in laboratories because they were just material. That's what we have to be thought of them. And then comes a kind of revolution, you know, as animal behaviorists find out that they think some of them are altruistic, some of them are creative, some of them have cultures. Whoa. But, you know, all that was brushed aside. I think we have to be open to the existence of other kind of consciousness in the universe, but that doesn't mean we worship any of it. So how do you, how do you reconcile all of this for yourself? What do you attribute these episodes you had? How do you make room for um, things that aren't strictly scientific? And how do you integrate this all into your, your worldview? Well, I, I, I want to push science forward to an acknowledgement of um, other kinds of consciousness than human. Look, the conversation among scientists at the fringes has gone from about the consciousness of animals to the consciousness of plants. That's a new way of seeing the universe. When you begin to see life and thought and mind in all sorts of beings around us. You sound like the most spiritual person I've ever met. Ooh. I don't mean to insult you at the end of this conversation, Barbara. I'm sorry. The word spiritual creeps me right out. Well, whatever it is, uh, the book is really fascinating. Barbara Ehrenreich, thank you so much for being on Livewire. So there you go. That's going to do it for this week's Livewire podcast short. Thank you for listening. Also, big thanks to Barbara Ehrenreich for being so awesome. Uh, for more information about Livewire, if you want to listen to all of our other podcast episodes and also find out how you can sign up for our newsletter, you can go over to livewireradio.org and get all of the information that your heart desires. I'm Luke Burbank. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Livewire is supported in part by Fully. Listen, you know in your heart of hearts that sitting around at work all day, that ain't great for you. But guess what? It's not just your heart of hearts. There's actually a lot of science backing that up, which is why Livewire partners with Fully, the company that believes people weren't meant to be glued to a chair all day. Fully has curated the best collection. And I've been there, by the way. I've met them. I've seen the stuff, and I can testify. They've got the best collection of standing desks, active sitting chairs, and other workspace tools that encourage us to move. Uh, I've got the TikTok stool. In fact, I'm sitting on it right now. I don't know if you can hear me rocking back and forth on it. But uh, the folks at Foley sent me this thing, and it is just a dream. Uh, it's comfortable to sit on, but it keeps me engaged in the work that I'm doing. 
keeps the blood flowing, and uh, and it's really improved my life as I uh, work to host your favorite public radio show and podcast, known as Livewire, in case you needed a reminder. Anyway, if you would like to be better at what you're doing and stay more engaged, check out Fully. Get your body moving in your workspace by going to fully.com slash livewire. That's F-U-L-L-Y dot com slash livewire. Fully, desks, chairs, and things to keep you moving. PRI Public Radio International.